we welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. Nimrod equals Dagon. Now, Dagon, uh, the most prominent form of worship in Babylon, which is Babel, which is where these folks were. Of course, by the time Babel was truly established, Nimrod was cut into pieces by uh, some say it was Esau. Uh, I think one of the accounts was Esau. I think that was Yasher where Esau did it. And then in, in the other accounts, it was uh, someone else that cut up Nimrod. But anyway, Nimrod was cut into all these different pieces. And, you know, Samiramis found his pieces. And then she found his, 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 his male organ and began worship of the male organ, which is where they begin to erect all of the statues, the monuments, or the phalluses in, in, uh, uh, to uh, Nimrod worship. And then she said she was impregnated by a being, uh, and she had a virgin birth where she gave birth to Nimrod again. And Nimrod at that point was Tammuz, reborn, as Nimrod to rule. So she still, they still kept Babel going in the tower and all of that so that they could get this baby up into this tower because this baby, Ninus, Ninus was the baby's name. It just depends on which account. If it's, if it's Samiramis, then it's Ninus. If it's Ashtoreth, then it's Tammuz, okay? But it's still, still the same story. It's just a parallel. They all mirror the same story of the virgin birth, okay? So this virgin birth story, of course, spread when the Tower of Babel was destroyed and everybody went to their different parts of the world with the same story, okay? But anyway, in Babel, Samiramis was in charge and she gave birth to Ninus basically so she could rule over him as the mother of all gods. Does that make sense? So she's saying that this is really him. That way she could keep the king, king keep the kingdom in her name. And we see that, that we see that happening now, even with pastors. You know, the pastor passes on and the wife takes over the church. What is that? But most prominent form of worship in Babylon was dedicated to Dagon, who was the priest of fish. The head of the church, Dagon, was considered to be infallible and was addressed as your holiness. This is what they called him. Nations subdued by Babylon had to kiss the ring of, Bab- of Dagon and the slipper of the Babylonian god king. Now, if you're a fish, then why do you have feet? <laughs> First Samuel 5 and 4. And this, this is the account, and I love this because this is basically the challenge of Dagon. They actually put the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the power of God and his Holy Spirit inside of it. They put the Ark of the Covenant in a chamber with this statue of Dagon. <laughs> and the Bible tells us, and when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Y'all, that's some power. Look at somebody say, that's some power. The statue had to bow. Bow down, hit his head, and cut it off. Hands just fell off. Y'all, oh, I wish. But see, people don't realize the power of God. That's all. They just just don't know because they don't read the Bible. If folks read the Bible, we we wouldn't even be talking about a pope. Seriously. Seriously. Because Catholics, they tell you that that they're the the Christian or so-called Christian denomination that reads the Bible the less. Catholics. They don't read the Bible at all. They don't know what the Bible says until they go to Mass. And that's on purpose because if they were to read the Bible, they'd start questioning stuff. Oh, call no man father, only your father in heaven. 
even make any sense. Amen. But that's the story of Nimrod. So in Babylon, Nimrod, the, 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 uh, the, the high priest, Nimrod in his high priest form was Dagon. Okay. And they worshiped this particular God uh, of fish or this, this particular fish God. And of course, I just explained all of this. I got ahead of myself. But the queen of heaven, which is Samiramis, which is Ashtoreth, which is Diana, which is just you could just go on down the line and name all of the goddesses from every pretty much every culture. Uh, uh, Kali, even the Indian culture had Kali, just all of them. You had this fatherless God king where the father was 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 killed off or dead. And then the mother had a virgin birth of the father reincarnated as her son, okay? Egyptian lure, all of that stuff, all folklore, all of the stories lead to the same thing, that Samiramis is the mother of God or the queen of heaven as the Bible calls her. So the queen of heaven, they worshiped her as the queen of heaven who had an immaculate uh, conception. And of course, the devil copied this story, amen? We know the devil copied this story. Not only did he copy it, but the devil actually beat God to the story. When God told him that the seed of the woman would, would be born, then he immediately knew that a woman doesn't have a seed. So he immediately knew that the woman would be born, I mean the son would be born of a virgin. Or there would be a virgin birth. So he started the parallel stories even back way before 2,000 years before there was a Jesus Christ, okay? So he did the story first so that people would look at the birth of Christ as a story that had already happened first. Amen? I'm just bringing you up to speed. Some of y'all know this kind of stuff, but I'm bringing you up to speed with the story because all of this plays into Catholicism. <clears throat> Jeremiah 7 and 18, when it spoke of, now you, you have to realize that when the uh, children of Israel... The Bible says that once they got to the promised land or whatever, they begin to go after other gods. They begin to turn against God. So God allowed them to go into bondage. So he's basically, God basically said, y'all want to worship a false god? Okay, I'll put you right there with the false gods. Y'all can have at it. Y'all can worship and everything. The only thing is, y'all going to be their slaves. So God's people were enslaved. This was a form of God chastening them. Amen. Allowing them to go in slavery to Babylonians. So the Babylonians brought the children of Israel into captivity in Babylon, right? And so because they were in captivity to Babylon and they were uh, uh, under or they were captives of Babylon, they got into Babylon. And then, of course, what do you do when you're a slave? Well, if you want to if you want a, uh, a position or you want to be lifted up as a slave, or whatever, you got to do whatever the master tell you. Amen. So the, but the masters in, in Babylon got a little smart and they decided, you know what, for us to get a real hold or for us to get real control over the uh, uh, God's people and to get them to worship our gods, we need to put them in positions. So they began to elevate them in Babylon, put them in positions. Well, when they elevated them in Babylon, they began to like these positions. They began to like wearing the Babylonian garb and looking like, a, 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 you know, someone with some power and someone with authority, you you know, it's the whole thing like slavery, you know, the difference between, and I, I, I'm going to use this word, but y'all forgive me, the house nigga and the field, the, the field slave. That was a big difference because the house one always, you know, he, he, he thought he was better than the field one. He was light skinned and he had on clothes and he looked nice because he was in the house. So he thought he was better. Dude, you still a slave. Try to leave. 
Light skin, beautiful clothes just gonna be whipped. Don't matter. You're still a slave, but he felt like he was better than the than the rest of the slaves. And he talking crazy to the to the to the field, to the field slaves, and they look at him like, dude, if it all go down, you getting whipped too? Because we all slaves. But that's that was how they played them against each other. And sometimes they could work in the house so long that they forget that they were slaves. They start talking crazy and accidentally say something. You forgot, didn't you? Well, the same thing happens, happened in Babylon. They begin to covet the Babylonians and like what they saw. Jeremiah 7 and 18. And he said, the children gather wood, the fathers kindled the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. So this is God speaking, saying that now since y'all are in Babylon, y'all are there, now you're pouring out offerings to the other gods and you're provoking me to angry. anger. I was already mad at you. Now you're going after the Babylonian gods because the Babylonians were smart enough to elevate them in captivity to make them feel that they were better. Y'all still with me? And a description of what Babylon looked like, which, you know, people talk about Babylon and then, you know, the Bible refers to what is going to happen now as mystery Babylon. Okay, so when the Bible says mystery Babylon, that tells us that what was happening in Babylon is going to happen now. If God would refer to our conditions now as mystery Babylon or Babylon, the great has risen again, then we need to know what the original Babylon actually look like. And here's some things that were going on in the original Babylon. Satan ruled through a woman in Babylon. That's happening now, right? Seed of the serpent flourished after the flood. Gods were made by hands in Babylon. That's happening now. Some churches, you can't move the communion table. But this is the way it was there. They made everything. They put God in everything. And I've learned something down through the years. People like to put God in everything so they don't have no responsibility for God. See, if, if, if God is in you and you the temple of the Holy Ghost, you got to act right. But I put God in something and leave it at church. Priests were worshipped as gods. Dagon and the priests, the fish priests, all the different priests. They were worshipped as gods. And priests and God kings were served while the people suffered at their hands. So the people weren't, you know, the people were just normal. You were just normal. You're just a lay member. Amen. You know, but the, all the, 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 the armor bearers and boy, everybody's chasing after the pastor and don't touch him because the anointing is on him. Wealth was with the elite in Babylon. So everyone else were slaves and wealth was with the elite. So the, only the elite had the money. Sound like America, don't it? People are deprived of knowledge as slaves. That's how you enslave people. They're deprived of knowledge. You go try to tell somebody about the Illuminati. Well, they're going to look at you like, what? Like, yeah, man, you got to understand, man. None of the American presidents was, 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 what? Huh? George Washington ran his first revival when he was. Dude, none of them were with God. None of them. This, our whole country is Freemason. Over. What? And then as quick as you told them that, when you walk. They dismiss it like you never said it. They don't want to know. People were deprived. Universal, there was a universal religion. There was only one religion, one Babylonian religion with many gods, many goddesses, worshipped in many forms. But there was one general belief, and that is that the mother of all gods, Samirimus, was the queen of heaven. 
Homosexuality was commonplace in Babylon. It looks like it just came out and just got in style. Trust me, all through history, homosexuality has been used. And most of the time, which I'm going to talk about in part 10, it's used for ritual purposes. Okay, because there are certain rituals that have to have homosexuality to even be performed to allow certain powers to come into our realm. Bisexuality was worship to the sun and the moon, of course. In this, uh, the, the, the full video, I talk about Lucifer, Lucifera, moon goddess, uh, sun and moon, all of that combined. That was bisexuality, baphomet, half man, half woman, that whole worship thing. And then pedophilia was a form of reincarnation. So in order to get special power, you had to get it from children, okay, by sexually violating kids. And that's why that is synonymous with the Pope, it's synonymous with the priest, it's synonymous with Catholicism, because they feel like that's how they get their power, and that's how they're able to uh, sustain their life. Uh, newborns were sacrificed to idols, of course, in Babylon. This is where God began to uh, uh, get upset with them because they worshiped, you know, Molech and the different things there as well. And they would put the children on the hot iron, sacrifice them, uh, put them through the fire, burn them, which were the children or the seed or the fruit of their sin. So their sin would bear the fruit and they would offer the fruit to the gods. Okay. Just like abortion here. Y'all, it's the same stuff happening here. Marriage was not a sacred bond there. They didn't want anybody marrying. They had to marry you. And when you were married, you had to take certain pledges and certain oaths, just like you have to do if you're Delta Sigma Theta, if you're, uh, AKA Alpha Kappa Alpha, if you're any of those, you can't just marry somebody. You know that, right? You know, when you take a pledge to that false God and get in a fraternity or a sorority, you can't marry them. Your goddess of your organization that you're in has to be married to the man, too. You didn't know that, did you? That's why at the wedding, they, they gather around with candles. When you're getting ready, after you perform the, after they perform the, uh, the, the vows or whatever, then all the sisters get around with a candle and they begin to old Delta, old Alpa Kappa Alpa, and they sing this old creepy song. And well, what they're doing is they're making, they're bringing the goddess of that organization into the marriage because that goddess is going to supersede any authority that the man has. Yeah. That's why the divorce rate with girls in sororities is higher than anything else because basically the sorority sisters are more important than a husband and her children will ever be. Don't believe me? Try to get them out of it. They won't get out. And they'll only marry a man that they can dominate. Am I preaching in here? Well, I'm combining a whole bunch of parts. Ezekiel 8, 10 through 14 says, So I went in and I saw, and behold, every form of creeping things. Now this is Ezekiel talking about Taking God giving him a glimpse into the secret chambers of the Babylonians, of the, the Jews in Babylon, okay? So he's giving them, or the Hebrews in Babylon, he's giving them a peek into it so that, that he could see what was really going on behind closed doors. He says, so I went in and I saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, the abominable beast and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the walls round about. Then said he unto me, son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chamber of his own imagery, for they say the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. He said also unto me, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. 
Tammuz is Ninas, and Ninas is Nimrod, reincarnated. So when he says there are women weeping for Tammuz, he's basically saying that the women have been infiltrated by these spirits or these spirit beings, and now they're not worshiping the God of all gods. They're worshiping false gods, and they're causing the men to go after the false gods as well. And so these false gods, this is all hidden in the dark of Israel. God actually showing Ezekiel what was going on behind closed doors. And I'm here to tell you that this stuff is still going on behind closed doors. That's that's why when you become a bishop, you got to go to a secret meeting and they got to take you in there and say some stuff to you that can't nobody hear. Do some stuff that can't nobody see. All that secret junk. Why? Why is it a secret? Why can't we know? But this is the same thing. Ezekiel 23 and 14 and 18. Jerusalem increased her whoredoms for when she saw men portrayed upon the walls, the images of the Chaldeans portrayed with uh, vermilion, girded with girdles upon their loins, dressed up, dressed nice vestments is what these are, exceeded in diet attire upon their heads, all them uh, princes to look to after the manner of the Babylonians of Chaldea, the land of their nativity. And as soon as she saw them with her eyes, speaking of Israel, soon as Israel, God's people saw it, she dotted upon them, meaning she gazed upon them and looked like, wow, I want to look like that. Sent messages, uh, messengers unto them in Ch- into Chaldea. And the Babylonians came in unto into the bed of love and they defiled her with their whoredoms. So all the things that the Israel, uh, the children began to desire of the Babylonians, the way they dressed, the way they looked, the hats they wore, the robes they wore, all this whole look, we want to look like that. And the Bible said that they developed a love for it and they went to bed with them, meaning they began to uh, uh, copulate the whole thing and they defiled her with their whoredom and she was polluted with them and her mind was alienated from them. So she discovered her whoredoms and discovered her nakedness. Then my mind was alienated from her. So God basically said I had to turn away from it because the church had gotten so infiltrated with this Babylonian garb garbage where they wanted to look like the priest, act like the priest, have the power of the priest, rule over people like the priest, spiritual cover like the priest, be called father like the priest. All of these different things. They wanted it so bad that they got and they went in bed with what was against God. And began to produce whoredoms, according to Ezekiel. Constantine. St. Constantine was a Roman emperor from 308 to 337. Well known for being the first Roman emperor to convert to quote unquote Christianity. Constantine proclaimed religious tolerance of all religions throughout the empire. The origin of the Catholic Church is a tragic compromise of Christianity with the pagan religions that surrounded it. Instead of proclaiming the gospel and converting the pagans, the Catholic Church Christianized the pagan religions and paganized Christianity. That's it right there. That's it. The Catholic Church Christianized pagan religions and paganized Christianity. Basically just merged the false god worship of the Babylonians with Christianity. Put it all together, made it an official religion. Catholicism. Y'all still with me? Things that Constantine did, he merged the church and the state of Rome. He merged Christianity and Eastern mysticism. He created idols, idol gods and relics. And then he ruled with 
absolute power. Now, you understand before this, the Christian church was never ruled with absolute power. The Christian church was ruled by committee. They would meet the apostles, different ones. They would gather together. They would draw lots, draw whatever, but they would come to an agreement as a committee because they were all accountable to each other. There was no chief running the whole church until Constantine came. And that, that, that's, that, of course, was the original denomination, Catholicism. And these are the things that came from Catholicism. And y'all see these in, the, in, in our, the Protestant church now, but this is the origin of it. And this is what the Babylonian, what they saw in Babylon that they desired, what they saw that was being warned that God's church began to desire. Uh, the mitre or mitre, uh, which is Dagon of Babylon, the headdress, the fish hat. You see them do that when they're going to uh, make somebody a bishop. They're going to make you, a, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, what is it? ordain you as a bishop. They'll wear this particular hat. That's the hat that represents Dagon, Dagon, the fish god in Babylon, the throne of St. Peter or the chair of St. Peter. Now, you know, Peter could not afford a chair like this. <laughs> Amen. But they put they they say that Peter was the first pope, which is not biblical at all. But they call this the throne of Peter. This is why at the church you grew up in, there was a big old chair sitting on the on the stage that reached all the way to the ceiling with gold and velvet. The little kid sat in that chair. He 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 would just die. That chair was for the chief, the chiefest. And they don't even know why they sit in the chair. They just want, I just want the preacher chair. Well, why are you sitting in the chair? Because it's comfortable. Well, everybody else's chair is whack. Why is yours that comfortable? Well, because they don't even know. And this is where it came from. It's the throne of St. Peter. Bow and kissing the ring in reverence. We see this a lot now when they are being made bishop and different things. They have to bow down and kiss the ring. Of course, that's a Babylonian tradition, the way they treated Dagon. The robe, the fishtails of Dagon, that's where preaching in a robe actually came from. Uh, it was the robe, it was Dagon scales on the, on, on the, that would drape over the Babylonian priest to represent Dagon so that they would look like they didn't have arms or legs. They would look like a fish. Okay? Yeah, priest processional. Oh, everybody stand. Everyone stand. The bishop is coming in. Everyone stand for the bishop. Everybody stand and then a long line of them walk in. That's the priest processional. That's the, that's the Babylonian parade. That's what they did in Babylon. So they made everybody reverence these men, and they would all come in single file. Ain't that something? And then they said, that ain't enough. Now we need the choir to march in like that. <laughs> Two steps forward and five back. That choir don't ever get in there. Dude, will y'all come on? Just get in here. The rosary, Babylonian sacred heart. When they, do, when they pray the rosary, this is the sacred heart from Babylon. It's demonic to pray the rosary because they're actually wor- worshiping the flaming heart of a, an ascension master. One of the lords of the seven rays, actually, uh, that's where that came from. So that's where the whole rosary prayer comes from. The Roman collar, which is the fallen halo. That's where the clergy collar actually comes from. Church steeples. Church steeples, that's where that comes from. That's the phallus from uh, the worship of Nimrod. And um, that's what that represents. That's how they got on churches. They began to put these phalluses on top of the churches as a mockery of the Christian church. Uh, Constantine started doing that. The scepter or the wand or the, you know, walking around there. 
And see, the, the Pope carries the one with the bent cross, which, it, which basically is a desecration of the crucifixion. He, were, he carries that one, and then he also has an upside-down cross on, on one as well. I mean, he knows who he is, you know. And then the pulpit, that's where the pulpit came from. It was a Babylonian barrier. It meant that the people were not good enough to get to the, the, the one that was supreme over them. So they had a barrier for the regular people that blocked you from getting to him. That's what the pulpit, that's where preaching behind a pulpit, that's, that's where it came from. But the Pope, how they are treating this man and making him likened unto Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't think America would get, it would be this big in America because we only, we don't have that many Catholics, only 30 million Catholics here. But I mean, everything has stopped now because it's the end times. It's the end times. So this is different. They're not calling him the Pope now. They're calling him Jesus Christ. The Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself hidden under the veil of flesh. Catholic National, 1895. So they're basically saying that Jesus has come again. This is the second coming. But Jesus said, when they say I'm here or when I'm over there, when they say I'm in New York, guess what? The Pope doeth whatsoever he wills, even things unlawful and is more than God. My goodness. And here's some of the things. And they do this stuff in the uh, oh. Laying him in state so everybody can see him. They got his face where he's decomposed. They got him under glass. They got him right here. They're drinking the, the ashes. They're, 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 they're drinking the blood of a deceased pope. They eat the ashes of popes. <sighs> pope Pius X said, The pope is not simply the representative of Christ. On the contrary, he is Jesus Christ himself. Under the veil of the flesh. Does the pope speak? It is Jesus Christ who is speaking. Hence, when anyone speaks of the Pope, it is not, ne- it is not necessary to examine, but to obey. And of course, here are all the dignitaries from all over the world that have had to bow down and worship the Pope. Bow down and worship the Pope. Does that sound familiar? Didn't the Bible say that one day, all religions, all people, everybody's going to bow down to somebody? The whole Holy Father spiritual covenant. Covering in Babylon, priests were ruled by a hierarchy structure. Men cover men and act as mediators between God and man. This hierarchy protected the interest of the queen of heaven and kept men desiring to please their superior in order to move up the chain of command. The Catholic Church mimicked this structure to keep the priests subject to their earthly God, king authority, the pope. But who is the pope subject to? A female. The queen of heaven. This is what? Matthew 23 and 9, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be called master, for one is your master even in heaven. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Call no man father. And they call him holy father. What does the papacy say about their power? The Pope and God are the same. So he has all power in heaven and earth. Pope Pius V. Does the papacy claim to take the place of God? Pope Leo the 13th said, We hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. What is Antichrist, y'all? Who's calling themselves God? Man of sin, let no man 
deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he... uh, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's not what he's doing. The Christian who does not feel that the Virgin Mary is his or her mother is an orphan. The Pope tweeted that. Then he says, but I don't believe that a person would say, Father, I am an atheist. But do good, we will meet one another there. So basically, he's saying that even if you're an atheist, if you do good, we'll meet each other in heaven. If someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has good will, who am I to judge? The Bible says it's not by works that any man can boast. This dude is saying your works can get you into heaven. Good works. Revelations. 17 says, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth has committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with wine of her fornication. Now, y'all, John is describing Catholicism. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration the seven heads and the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. John said the church sits on many waters. As the angel describes, the water represents peoples, multitudes, and nations. So this church is supported by many people, nations, and tongues. One billion followers. The kings have committed fornication with her. So the kings of the earth have given the church support and committed evil things with this church. Inhabitants of earth made drunk by her wine. In biblical prophecy, wine is a symbol of doctrines. So the earth has been made drunk with the false doctrines of this church. She sits on a beast with seven heads. The angel says that the heads are seven mountains. So this church is situated in a place with seven mountains. What's situated on seven mountains? That's the Vatican City. She is arrayed in purple and scarlet. This church's main colors are purple and scarlet. Decked with gold and precious stones. It's a wealthy church and displays much gold and precious things in their churches. Have been to a Catholic church? She is the mother of harlots. This church is the mother church. And she has daughters, i.e. other churches were born from her. Drunk with the blood of the saints, this church is guilty of killing God's people. Of course, the dark ages, remember, 500 million Christians were killed by Catholics. John wondered 
at the vision of her. This is a church that looks very glorious. Oh, and it's spooky, ain't it? Church is glorious and spooky. And you go in there and it's like birds flying at the, in the rafters. Stained glass. And then when it's time for mass, the saints just, Omne Padre Spiritu Santi. Dude, I'm scared. Why am I scared in church? I think Dracula is coming. I mean, it just sounds like a horror movie. But it's glorious on the outside. And people wonder in awe at her. When we went to see Notre Dame in, um, in Paris, we were standing and we were looking at it. We was like, Ooh. I mean, because it just looked like. But then when you got close, you was like, is that the devil? <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Is that the... And it's all this demonic stuff on it. And when you walk in there, they say, shh. It's like, what? Oh, there's some sleeping priest in here. Sleeping priest? They say, when they gonna wake up? Well, they're dead. Why do I have to be quiet? And why are they in here? Matter of fact, why are we in here? Let's go, Trent. Man, we got out of there. It's creepy. She is the city that reigns over. The kings of the earth. This church has power over the kings of the earth. Y'all just saw a picture of a meeting with everybody. You see how they treating. I mean, all the kings of the earth seek guidance from her. Y'all, if that's not the most descriptive thing you've heard about Antichrist, and this is even a step further. This is Life magazine cover of Pius, I mean of Francis. And they call him the vicar of Christ. The vicar in Latin means vicarious, which means a substitute which is anti in the Greek, opposite instead of. Vicar of Christ means antichrist. The word anti is antichrist. In antichrist does not mean someone who is going to be openly, uh, openly anti or against Christ. The word anti in the original biblical language can actually mean in place of, just like with Nimrod, remember? So, uh, could the Bible Antichrist be someone who actually puts himself in place of Christ? Well, we have further Bible evidence to support this. In 1 John 2, 18 and 19, it says that there were many Antichrists who went out from the church. In other words, John is pointing to the fact that those Antichrists were within the church. Not only that, but Paul in 2 Thessalonians called the man of sin the son of perdition. Now, there is only one other place in the Bible where the name son of perdition is used. And that is John 17 and 12 talking about Judas. And what was Judas? A professing follower of Jesus Christ. Someone who deceived from within the church. That's the son of perdition. The leader of the Catholic Church is defined by the faith as the vicar of Jesus Christ and is accepted as such by believers. The Pope is considered the man on earth who takes the place of the second person of the omnipresent God of the Trinity. Antichrist in place of Christ. Y'all still with me? I want y'all to get this so y'all know what you're looking at when you're looking at it. Protestant. A member of any of several church denominations denying the universal authority of the Pope and affirming the Reformation principles of justification by faith alone. The priesthood of all believers and the primary primacy of the Bible as the only source of revealed truth. We look at somebody and say, I'm a Protestant. That means we are protesters of this Pope 
demonic Catholicism with his antichrist ways. We are protesters. But all of these pictures right here, I'm showing you this. These are what the protesters of today look like. Do they look like they're protesting? Look like they're enjoying themselves, don't they? Dressed and arrayed just like them. Performing all the same rituals. Wearing all the same vestments. Looking just like Antichrist. This is, ugh, Coletta Vaughn. Y'all thought she was out of control, right, with her ten members. She's, uh, she's even more out of control since she went off TV. This is what she's saying. When she snapped the picture and put this on her timeline. Man of God, my prayer. May I walk in God with this kind of respect from man. Now, these are supposed to be Protestants that are tweeting this stuff. This is Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland reports about his, uh, reports about his meeting with Pope Francis. I am so blessed. What Jesus asked the Father for in John, there are many, all be one in him is finally coming to pass. Pope Francis is a man filled with the love of Jesus. All eight of us in our meeting together with him were moved by the strong presence of the Holy Spirit. I am so blessed. What a time to be a believer. Kenneth Copeland. Here's Rick Warren shaking hands with Francis. There's smiling Osteen. He says, I like the fact That the Pope is trying to make the church larger, not smaller. He's not pushing people out, but making the church more inclusive. That resonated with me. And then Billy Graham. After meeting with the Pope, Graham said that it is particularly evident in the Pope's speeches that his attitudes and decisions are based on his great personal spiritual life. He bases his work and messages and vision on biblical principles. Antichrist. Here's what he said about John Paul. He has a video out now about Francis. I didn't, I didn't have time to put it in here, but it's on, our webs- um, it's on our Facebook. His holiness. First of all, he calls him his holiness. That's, that's already something wrong. John Paul II was truly a dedicated and courageous messenger of God. His legacy will be a model that all of us should follow. His holiness was not only a leader of the church, but also a leader of the world. His life was an example everyone can learn from. His mission to spread the good news of faith throughout the world and his dedication to human rights was an inspiration. Speaking of Antichrist. Boy, it's just like Grandmama said, isn't it? First Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one God and one what? mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. So just to make you understand all this, and I'm closing, but just to make you understand all of this, that mediator between God and man is the purpose of Catholicism to separate you from what will save you. See what priests do, they cause you to come into confession because if you go to them in confession, they keep your sins and you're still accountable for them. You still have to pay for them if a man keeps your sins. So they want to intercept your sin and keep you from going to the Father through Jesus Christ who can blot out your sins and your transgressions. You see what I'm saying? So the whole concept of a mediator in between God and man is to stop man from being redeemed. That's anti-what? Christ. If Christ is the redeemer, then anything that blocks him is antichrist. 
So the serpent, Satan, queen of heaven, the papacy, and then these Protestant coverings even where men fall, men have issues, men, they, you have to come to them with your sin. And then they'll keep it. Send you on your way. But then when you get elevated or you, you look like you might get something that they want, they'll remember your sin. Sin never got to God. The man held it in the hierarchy, just like Catholics. This is right in the middle. And this is why we, that there is not a denomination or a belief system more anti-Christ than Catholicism. This is it. What grandmama told you, what they told you was going to happen in the end times. What, you are seeing it right before your eyes. You're watching Antichrist walk. They're trying to make the Antichrist Obama and trying to make it this person, that person. We're not even talking about the Antichrist because the Bible doesn't use that terminology. It doesn't say the Antichrist. It says Antichrist. You want to know who the son of perdition is? You want to know who the man of sin is? Turn on TV because he's walking in the United States right now. First John 2 and 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? So if he calls himself the Christ, vicar of Christ, then he's in place of Christ and denying that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye had heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you in all things and is true and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye abide in him. And now little children abide in him. That when he shall appear, ye may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his You've been listening to A True Church Perspective from G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of Adamant Believers Council in Grand Prairie, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas, 76124, or donate online at www.exministries.com. Dot .com